0: Can I refuse? Hi, everybody. I'm Marty, and I'm a member of Allotene. I just lost all my notes. (laughs) So this should be an interesting speech. You know, in Wyoming... Can I move this a little? (laughs) I don't want to get in trouble. (laughs) I don't want to mess with the system. Yeah. scares me. He does. In Allotene, it really is almost a privilege to be able to say that I'm a member of Allotene because groups are so far apart, and there's so few of them. That the fact that you're in a group is really a big privilege. And I'm up here today to try and change that. I want to get you guys so interested and so excited about Alateen that you're going to go out and sponsor a group or help start one because we need your help. We need more Alateen groups to make us better people. After all, we're your future, right? <laughs> okay. Since this is, um right, like I said, I just lost my notes. Okay, here we go. Um, You know, no child should have to live in a home that's unstable and full of anger and violence. And yet we do. Hundreds of thousands of us live in a home, and those are alcoholic homes. And it's not nice to have to admit, but it's true. You know, I'm willing to bet that if you were walking along and you saw a hurt animal by the side of the road, you'd stop really quick, you'd run over, and you'd pick it up, you'd try and make it feel better and hopefully heal its wounds. You know, a lot of kids in Alatine are like that hurt animal. In fact, a lot of us are hurting even more, and yet we're shoved aside and put in the corner until you guys have time to deal with us. And instead, all of the attention is focused on the behavior of the alcoholic. That's what's important, right, is getting him to stop drinking, pouring out his booze, and getting day A. But what about the kids? I'd like you to take a moment and think about something that you know in your life right now that is affected by alcoholism, under the age of 20. I mean, we need you. There's a lot of us out there, and we need our You know, the years of hurt and guilt and frustration that that evolve in an alcoholic home start to spin inside of your head when you're a kid, and it almost becomes like a nightmare. And the worst thing about the nightmare is that you can't do anything about it because there's these all-powerful adults that are controlling everything. They make all the moves, and I'm... The game that they play isn't very funny. It's almost like being a puppet. And, and it doesn't seem like there's any light at the end of that tunnel. <laughs> so in order to defend ourselves from all the instability, the anger, and the hurt at home, we find all kinds of defense mechanisms to hide behind. And we learn from the best, the alcoholic. As I tell you, he's got some terrific ones. And we use them. The biggest one that I'm willing to bet almost every kid growing up in an alcoholic home uses has a neat little name, and it's called Don't Talk, Don't Trust, and Don't Feel. Don't talk about what's going on at home, what's really happening. Because if you don't talk about it, if you pretend for long enough, then maybe it'll go away, maybe it won't be real. Don't trust anyone. Because we learn quickly in an alcoholic home that you can't trust your parents to keep their promises, And you can't trust them to be there whenever you need them because they're not. They're busy with the alcoholic or they're busy with themselves and they're drinking. And the final one that's most important is don't feel. Don't feel anything. Because if you do, you'll just have more hurt. And we've had enough of that we don't want any more. And these aren't healthy attitudes for a child to have. It doesn't sound good for an 8-year-old kid to not be feeling, but that's it. We have to wrap ourselves in this uncaringness so that we don't have to feel what's going on at home. A lot of times kids assume a lot of roles, too, and psychologists and therapists have given them some real fancy names. But basically there's four roles that we like to hide behind to make our world a little better. And the first one is the um, attention seeker, the, the troublemaker at home. And I'm sure you've all seen them. We're out there trying to cause as much trouble as we can just to drive you crazy, right? No. <laughs> My sister was the uh, acting out child in the home. And, you know, when the alcoholic is getting all the attention, you got to do something to get attention. I mean, it's a, a very basic need of anyone, especially children. So, unfortunately, a lot of kids choose that any kind of attention is good. It's better than just being ignored and shoved aside so they get in trouble and boy do they get in trouble take my sister please no but <laughs> no? someone told me that would work but I guess I, <laughs> I think it was my dad's old joke but um <laughs> anyway she uh, started out okay you know she just disobeyed mom or talked back to her little and that, you know that wasn't too bad But now in order to get the attention that she found she could get from acting out, from talking back, she had to do worse and worse things to get that attention because pretty soon Mom got used to it and just started ignoring her talking back. And um, before long she was skipping class and running, you know, sneaking out of the house at night when she was supposed to be home. And it developed and got worse and worse. She started hanging around with the wrong crowd. Crowds. And before long, she started using drugs herself, including alcohol. And that got her the attention she needed. At least somebody was noticing her and talking to her as if she were really there instead of pushing her aside out of the way so that she didn't have to be dealt with. You know, it's a pretty sad role to be in because by the time my sister was 14, she was pregnant and married to someone that she didn't even love. But she had to have someone to help support that child. And by the time she was 15, she was divorced and on welfare and that's pretty sad. The second role that sometimes we like to assume is called, you know, we use responsibility. You know, there's a lot of instability at home, a lot of inconsistencies. None of the rules are always the same. One day, it's okay to watch TV and the next day, it drives Dad crazy because he's drunk and he's got a hangover and he just doesn't want to hear MTV anymore, right? So, um, (laughs) I don't blame you sometimes. I don't want to hear MTV anymore. But, um, so the child decides to assume the authority and the responsibility that mom and dad just aren't doing. So they take on the jobs. And in some ways, I was tried to be the responsible one in the home. And in this, in this role, you see an 8- or 9-year-old child that gets up early in the morning so that he can get his brothers and sisters ready for school. He comes home early from school to clean the house, to cook the meals, do the dishes, and get the kids ready for bed, and whenever possible, stock stop arguments because that might, might, mm, might make mom and dad angry it's pretty sad to see a nine-year-old child taking on more responsibility than their moms and dads are willing to do but it does happen the third role that um, my brother was cho- uh, chose to follow is called the um... well what he did is he just didn't feel you know that was his big rule was don't feel so he just adjusted everything that happened and we'd move to another town and he'd lose his best friend in the whole wide world and he wouldn't say a word. He'd just quietly go wherever Mom said we had to move to and he'd keep all those feelings inside. And he'd just, on the outside, it looked like he was doing fine, but he wasn't. And the worst instance I can think of this is um, one time when I was about seven years old, We were um, sitting in the living room watching TV and my mom and stepdad were arguing as usual. And suddenly my mom started screaming so we ran out in the hallway and there was my stepdad slamming my mother's head up against the wall. And, you know, my mother just went over very calmly, pulled my stepdad off my mother, got us all out the door into the car and drove us to a motel because obviously, you know, my stepdad was too drunk for us to stay home. And you know what? He never talked about that night. He never talked about how it made him feel inside and he never talk, ugh, talked about how he felt having to be the one to pull you know my stepdad off my mother from trying to kill her to this day he won't talk about it because he can adjust but he can't feel because that's just too scary and the final point came when shortly after this that my brother couldn't adjust any longer so he very quietly announced that he was going to go live with grandma and off he went at the age of thirteen he couldn't handled being at home any longer. He couldn't adjust, We so had to go somewhere that was safe that he could adjust in. And the last role is somebody like me. You know, the goody-two-shoes, it's the perfect child, always running around trying to make everybody feel better and stop all the arguments, and that's what I did, because I thought that if I stopped the arguments and made everybody feel wonderful, then everything would be perfect at home, and, and it, we wouldn't have to hurt anymore. But in the process, I denied my feelings. Because how could I stop, you know, my brother from hurting or my mom from being angry if I was feeling those things, right? So I couldn't feel. And uh, that's not healthy either. Um, a lot of kids in alcohol, I'm sure Al-Anon, and AAs do it too, I think a lot of people do, is you build a wall around yourself about this big that nobody can get behind. But if you're not careful and if you live with the disease long enough, that wall gets so high and so thick, and nobody can get through it. No one can get around it or over it, and you're just stuck in yourself. And you can't even cry out for help after a while because no one can hear you over the walls. And that's what I did. I started when I was nine years old building this terrific wall, and I kept going at it. And by the time I was 16, I had it incredibly high. And I guarantee you nobody was going to get through it. But you know what, even though I could hide behind that wall, I couldn't hide from the feelings, from the guilt and the shame and the hurt, and a lot of times the hate. I hate to admit it, but when my dad was drinking, I did, I hated him. And then I felt guilt because I shouldn't be hating my father, right? So, um... it's really difficult to tear down those walls when you start building them up without some help and that's where allotene comes in you know a lot of people say it and it sounds kind of corny but um, when I found allotene it did change my entire world because I had hope now I could get out of the nightmare it was like you know it's, sometimes you have a nightmare it's like falling in a big deep dark pit and you're just falling and falling it seems like it'll never end and it's so frightening And all of a sudden, there was a rope to grab onto. And there was somebody at the other end pulling me out. And that was such a neat feeling. And to me, that's what allotene is. It's that rope to hold onto. And it's the people at the other end to help pull me out of the deep, dark pit that I can fall into very easily if if I don't have allotene to hang onto. I'd like to tell you a little bit about allotene so that you can understand better. And then later, we have a wonderful panel of allotene to answer all your questions. And I'm sure you'll have plenty, right? Okay. In Alateen, we use the twelve steps and the twelve traditions adopted from the AA program. We follow them as closely as we can to help us grow spiritually, emotionally and, and physically too. And um, we also use the slogans, you know, look on, look on, use it all that stuff. And they really do help you through everyday problems. And most of all we, we use each other to find someone to hold on to, someone to talk to when nobody else at home will listen or wants to hear what you have to say because it reminds them that they're part of, you know, they're part of what caused your problems. Nobody wants to hear about that, and I don't blame you. <laughs> but at least, you know, now that we have other kids that understand what it's like. I think one of the worst things about about living in an alcoholic home is that I felt like nobody else had these problems, and nobody else had to worry about bringing our friends home because dad might be passed out on the couch, or no one else had to get up early and make breakfast for everyone and everyone else had a perfect home with 2.5 kids and mom baked cookies and dad went to work and, and I felt so inferior that my home was so weird and then I got to Alateen and there were all these kids that knew exactly how it felt and a lot of times it was worse for them and that's what really keeps me going is realizing that you know I'll get on a pity pot real easy and feel so sorry for myself, life so horrible Now I'll go to Alateen and some kid will talk about how his dad just kicked him out of the house and he doesn't have anywhere to stay, you know. And I realized that there's a lot of kids that had it a lot worse and that I'm really lucky to have gotten by as easy as I did. Um, Alatine also... Uh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Anybody want to help? Do we have any volunteers from there? Well, start, my my not I start not Oh, I wanted to tell you the big things that team does not do. just came to me. First of all, we do not sit around complaining about ho- how horrible and ugly and tyrannical our parents are, I promise. Really. We don't gossip about what you do at home. We don't even care. We're there to help ourselves. And we also don't sit around talking about the big date we have planned for Friday night or the terrific party we just got out of, right? We don't. We, we're there to help ourselves, to grow and learn and become better human beings and hopefully through Alateen we learn enough about ourselves and how to help ourselves that we don't have to fall into the same traps that a lot of alcoholics fall into and perhaps become alcoholics ourselves or marry an alcoholic we can become healthy people and we won't need alcohol to hide behind if we have Alateen to depend on and most importantly you know it doesn't just end at Alateen like I'm just turning 21 and starting to go to al I have that program for the rest of my life, first in Alatine and then in Al-Anon, that I can continue growing. And hopefully I will. <laughs> Notes are the worst things because you always lose your place. Okay. Um, I'd, I really like you all to give us a try. We need you, each and every one of you, to help Alatine grow and to give to kids what it does. We need the kids out there. If any of you are hurting with that huge hurt inside of you that seems like it'll never go away, we need you to try Alateen to help you get out of that nightmare, because I promise it's not going to be easy and it won't happen right away, but we're going to help if you'll just give us a try. We'll help that hurt go away. And we need all you incredibly wise and wonderful Al-Anon and Alateen members for sponsors. Yes, this is where you come in. Yeah, I've been incredibly lucky. The two Alateen groups that I've attended, we had the most wonderful, warm, (laughs) charming giving women for our sponsors. And without them, I don't know where I'd be today. And, you know, I really believe that each and every one of you has within you that same warmth and beauty and wisdom through the program. So please, if you have an extra hour a week, try and give it to a kid who needs you as a sponsor. And you can co-sponsor. You don't have to be, you know... The end all of everything, you know, three or four co-sponsors can, you know, once a month and you only have to give up an hour to sponsor a meeting. And it isn't that terrible, really. I've tried it and I survived. <laughs> I'm here to say that you can survive sponsoring an Allotene meeting. Just ask Audrey, right? <laughs> Ginger, did you survive? <laughs> it's, it's wonderful because, you know, you don't, always, you don't just give to those kids, to us. We give a lot back to you, too, I think. And I think together we can share the program and learn from each other. But we need sponsors. We need you to support us. And lastly, we need parents who are willing to admit that their kids do have problems, that they're not perfect, <laughs> and that they're not infallible. You know, we're real good at hiding our feelings. But if you'll take a look deep down inside, there's a lot of pent-up anger and frustration and hurt and guilt and all that. And and we need you to admit that we have a problem too, not just you. And it doesn't just go away when the alcoholic becomes sober. A lot of times I think that the minute, you know, mom or dad goes into treatment, this invisible sign goes up on the wall that says no one else from now on will be sick because we're tired of it. And you know we are sick. Even though there is an alcoholism, you know, even though there's an alcohol in the home, the illness is still there. And it doesn't go away, it gets worse. Year after year it gets worse and worse. Unless you have an intervention like galatine make it better so we need parents to inform their kids about allotene and what it can do for them and we need you to support us in our growth and put up with our hard moments and give us hugs and everything else as i said i have this panel of charming allotene members behind me who have been behaving really well haven't they (laughs) they haven't even kicked each other yet i don't think and so please i know i haven't answered all your questions i hope i haven't think of anything you can. I don't care what it is and when I close, you know, please ask us the questions that you have and we'll try and answer them and hopefully you'll have a better understanding of us. And I really do believe that working together we can bring the warmth and the light of the program to kids all over Wyoming who need it. But we have to start right now. We can't keep putting it off. So please join me in helping the children of alcoholics. Thank you.